0: Thank you, Brother Terry. Thank you, choir, and thank you, our praise team, and all of you for joining in and worshiping this morning. So uh, we pray that God will be honored and God will be glorified in our worship time. If you brought your copy of God's Word, please turn to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We want to look at two familiar verses, verse 1 and 2. There's a sermon that I want to share with you. A biblical church member is totally, totally uh, surrendered to God. A biblical church member is totally surrendered to God. Let's, if you will, look at Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul said, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies... A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at the characteristics of a biblical church member. For you who are uh, guests today or some who have missed a week or two, Tom Rayner in his book, uh, Biblical Church Member, suggests that the overall decline in church attendance uh, in Bible fellowship or Sunday school, the decline in church attendance on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, a decline in evangelism as compared to our baptisms reported, a decline in our giving, a decline in unity, a decline in servanthood and ministry, is because that many of us, as church members, have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a biblical church member. And so for the past five weeks, we've discovered what the Bible requires for us to be a biblical church member. Let me mention what we studied just in sermon titles perhaps in the past five weeks. First of all, we discovered that a biblical church member is connected to God, connected to, uh, to God through salvation, uh, through the new birth, through redemption, connected to God, but also connected to to a family of believers. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're part of the universal church and we're part of a local congregation. So a biblical there's no such thing as an inactive church member. We're part of the body of Christ in the local congregation, the universal church, but we're connected to God and we're connected to a fellowship. A biblical church member secondly refuses to give place to the devil. We, we don't want those strongholds in our life that would hinder us uh, and give place to the devil and quench the Holy Spirit of God. The Bible says to neither give place to the devil nor quench the Holy Spirit or grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And so we don't want those strongholds in our life as a biblical church member. And then a biblical church member seeks to be a functioning member of the body. There again, there's no... Uh, such thing really as an inactive, biblically, no such thing as an inactive church member. God's blessed us with spiritual gifts for the intent for us to function in the body, that the body might grow and, and uh, increase thereby. And then a biblical church member is one who seeks to be a unifier in the church and not a divider in the church. And then a biblical church member is one who's willing to be a servant, a giver and not just a receiver, one who seeks to be last, we learned last week, and not first. One who's filled with the Holy Spirit of God and redeeming the time, submitting to one another, therefore serving one another. And So those are some topics we've talked about in the last five weeks. Today, I want us to look at a biblical church member is totally surrendered to God. Romans chapter 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now in the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans, God reveals his mercy to sinners. And then chapter 12, to the end of the book, you have the Apostle Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, shows us how to translate what we've learned in the first 11 chapters and how we're to live them out, chapters 12 through the book, how we're to live those things out in our lives. He takes us from, uh, from doctrine, first 11 chapters, to action in chapter 12 through the end of the book. And so, the first 11 chapters show us how to come to God through Christ. The last chapters show us how to live for God in Christ. Now, over and over and over again in the New Testament, the Bible refers to Jesus Christ as Lord, as Kuros, one who has all power and authority and control. He is, he is the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ. Paul and Silas, if you remember, were asked by a Philippian jailer, "Sir, what must I do to be saved? The answer was, believe on what? The Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so you can't separate the Lordship of Jesus Christ from the saving work of Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and my Savior. It's the Lordship of Jesus Christ, the Savior Jesus Christ. So the point is you can't have a Christianity that separates itself from from Jesus being the Lord of your life And the Savior of your life. Now, these two verses, verses uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 12, is the ultimate challenge concerning total surrender. Total surrender. Now, listen up. I, I suggest to you this morning that total surrender is the norm of the Christian life. Total surrender is the norm of the Christian life. Anything less than total surrender is not normal for the Christian. Verse 1, if you'll notice, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. First of all, if you're taking notes, total surrender is an act of gratitude and thanksgiving. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. So let me say, there's no way that I can repay Jesus. First of all, no way I can repay Jesus for what he did on the cross. For the Bible says, For by grace are you saved. Through faith, it's not of yourselves, it's a gift of God, least any man should boast. There's no way that I can repay Jesus. It's by grace, it's a gift. It's unmerited favor, nothing that I've ever done, nothing that I'll ever do in order to have salvation. For by grace, unmerited favor. Therefore, my surrender is an act of gratitude. It's an act of thanksgiving. My surrender to him as total sacrifice is because of what he did for me on the cross. It's an act of gratitude. It's an act of thanksgiving. Notice what he says. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg of you, I plead with you, I ask you, I plead with you. Therefore, it's your choice. It's your choice whether you present your body a living sacrifice. Totally surrender to him. It's something that you choose. It's a choice, and he's pleaded. And Jesus would simply say, I I want you to surrender your life to me completely, completely. Totally. Just as I offered my salvation to you, I'm inviting you to lay your life down at my feet. Please decide that, he says. I beseech you, Paul says, that you present your bodies. I beg of you, I plead with you, that you present your bodies. a living sacrifice. Listen, Jesus wants to be Lord over every single area, every single room of your life, of your heart. I beseech you, brethren. Now, I beseech you, brethren. I beseech you, brethren. We're, we're brothers in Christ. We're sisters, brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I beseech you, brethren, brothers and sisters. Remember, when we're connected with God, we're what? We're connected with a fellowship of believers. And so he's speaking to all. You know, it, it excites me that, that I'm part of the family of God. Now, I don't know how you grew up. I grew up in a godly household. My parents were Christians. They carried me to church. and They they read me Bible stories. They told me Bible stories. They came in my room every night till I left home at 19 years old and prayed with me at my bedside. Now, some of you may not have been raised that way. And you may have had... You, you may have had parents, and you may have came from a single home, and the father figure wasn't there, and I understand that, but you have a father in God, you have father God. You have brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. It excites me to be part of a family, and those that did not have family like I had growing up, they have family now. With brothers and sisters in Christ and God the heavenly Father, my goodness. I'm glad that I'm a part of the family of God. So notice, he says, I beseech you, therefore, my brethren, my brothers and sisters in Christ, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Notice what he says. Therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, the mercies of God. What are the mercies of God? The mercies of God are those acts of compassion that God poured out on your life when you got saved. I beseech you, therefore, I beg of you, by the mercies of God, by those things that God poured out on you. What did he pour out on me, Brother Sammy? Well, he poured pardon out on you. Pardon. He poured the pardon of God out. You see, when I got saved, God gave me a full, unconditional pardon. He forgave me of my sins. He removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. He put my sins in the bottom of the sea, meaning there's no way that my sins will ever come back to haunt me. He forgave me. He pardoned me. So by the mercies of God, by this pardon that I received, this loving kindness that He gave me, this full unconditional pardon, which is justification. Legal term, justification. A legal term simply meaning that I've been, found, I've been justified, I've been ru- it's been ruled not guilty by the supreme judge of the universe. And Jesus Christ died on the cross, paid my fine, and when you trust Jesus Christ, God declares you righteous, and he pardons you. That's a mercy of God. You're purified in Christ. That's a mercy of God. It's described as sanctification. Later on, glorification. So a, par- a mercy is pardon, a, a mercy is-, is purity, a mercy is holiness. I've been set apart, been set apart to allow God to make me like him on a daily basis. So I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, your, your pardon, your purity, your holiness, to present yourself a living sacrifice unto God. So, saved person, listen, the mercies of God that you received when you trusted Jesus Christ should should bring you to a place of gratitude and thanksgiving and move you to a place of total, absolute surrender of your life to Jesus Christ. Anything else is out of the norm for a Christian. When you came to Christ... Accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Turned from your sins and turned to Jesus. Placed your faith in him. And he handed you spiritual life. And he took your old rotten sin and forgave you of your sin. And declared you righteous and declared you justified. And now you're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. And he lives in you. And he's begun to work in you. And you can tell a difference from the time prior to the time you got saved. To the time now... He's breaking the power of sin in your life. And you see his handiwork. You see him working in your life. That's why Isaac Watts penned the words in the song that we sang just a few minutes ago. When I surveyed the wondrous cross, he penned the words, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Why cheapen the grace of God in your salvation by not giving your all to Jesus Christ? My goodness. Total surrender is an act of gratitude and thanksgiving. Then total surrender is an act of sacrifice. Notice, I beseech you therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now we're told today that the modern church is primarily concerned about convenience, convenience. But Jesus teaches the opposite of convenience. He talks about sacrifice. I remember growing up as a little boy, I looked forward going to Florence every now and then. Sometimes I go three times, four times a day now. Roger's department store had an elevator I look forward, riding that elevator from the main floor up three or four floors. I remember going to Birmingham and and had an escalator in Birmingham. And I'd go down there to the AEA. Back then it was called with my mom. And I could step on an escalator. But let me tell you something. That's convenience. But Jesus didn't have an escalator to take him to Calvary. He trudged up Mount Calvary to die on the cross for you. And for me, Jesus says the opposite. So what, what if, if I have to park a little farther from the building today and walk to the building? What, what if Brother Sammy doesn't finish right at 12 or 12.15 and I have to wait about 15 minutes An in inconvenience? What if on Sunday morning I get to church and the air and the temperature is just not to my satisfaction? What if you go to a restroom and there's no paper towels in the restroom? What if you come to the coffee counter on Sunday morning and the donuts gone? What if you 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 go to the hunt fellowship in a few minutes and they don't have any more potatoes and they got to give you more pinto beans? Those are, those are just little inconveniences, annoyances. Those, my friend, are not sacrifices. That's not a sacrifice. Jesus Christ is calling to his church and calling out to Mountain View. Is there not one or two or ten or twelve? Is there not just a remnant in the church that will rise up and live out their Christian life in total sacrifice? I beseech you, therefore, brethren and sisters, by the mercies, the pardon, your holiness, by the mercies of God, your justification, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, i.e., that means a lasting sacrifice. Original language says this, present yourselves once and for all a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Now, there's another faith that we're well of, or well aware of, where the clergyman listens to confession, and then uh, after the confession, uh, a pardon's given, and they go out to the next week. I remember talking to Brother Ralph. He was in that faith years ago, and and Ralph said he. He looked forward to that confessional because he could live like the the devil during the week. He could live, I think his words was, footloose and fancy free, go to confession, get pardon, leave the confessional, and then go out and live like he wanted to the next week. The Bible says, present yourself once and for all a living sacrifice. You see, there's no up and downs. Shouldn't be in the norm of the Christian life. Living like a saint, living like a sinner, that's not the norm of Christianity. Present your b- bodies, notice, a living, lasting sacrifice. Now, first, remember your body doesn't belong to you. Um, your body doesn't belong to you. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Which is not of yours. It's not your own. You're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body, in your spirit, in your soul, your spirit, which are God's. So when you got saved, every part of you belongs to God. Your body, your soul, your spirit. And the Holy Spirit of God has made your body, if you're a Christian, your body his temple. He lives in This body, he lives here. And so Christ took on a human body. We call it the incarnation. Came from heaven in the form of a baby. Took on a human body. The body is important to Christ. You need to be careful with your body. So he's the incarnate God. He lives in our body. He came and took on the form of a body, and then he to do the work of God. And now he lives in our body to do the work of God. The Holy Spirit. Now, there are two. There are only two living sacrifices mentioned in the Bible. One's found in Genesis, uh, chapter twenty-two, uh, a living sacrifice. When we talk about sacrifice, we normally think about living sacrifice. Sacrifice, because the sacrifice is what? It's dead. And so the Bible mentions a living sacrifice in, in, in Genesis 22. problem with a living sacrifice, you put a living sacrifice on the altar and it eases off. It crawls off. It climbs down. It won't stay up there. That's a living sacrifice. And there are only two living sacrifices mentioned in the Bible. First one, Genesis 22 we have Abraham, and he was instructed by God to offer his son Isaac as a living sacrifice. And you know the story. He takes Isaac to the mountain, and Isaac has questioned him about the sacrifice, and he says, God will provide a sacrifice. And he gets him to the mountain, and he builds an altar, and he takes Isaac, and he Places Isaac on the altar. Now, when you look in Bible story books, you see Isaac as a little boy. Isaac was not a little boy. He was a man. Abraham was an old man. And Isaac, there was no way that Abraham could have held Isaac down on that altar. This this is good, real. This is real good right here. Because Isaac willingly placed himself on that altar. As a living sacrifice. And when we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, we're saying the same thing. I'm dying to my dreams. I'm dying to my wants. I'm dying to my agenda. I'm dying to my will. I'm dying to everything but the, li- but the living Jesus that lives within me. So you have a living sacrifice with Isaac. The other time it's mentioned, it's mentioned about Jesus. And Jesus dying on the cross as a living sacrifice. Went to Calvary. Prior was, was beaten and, and was scourged with a cat of nine tails and bleeding profusely everywhere. And a crown of thorns placed upon his head. And the blood from that crown just drenched his face and drenched his body. And he goes to Calvary. He falls under the load in the serene, Simon the serene, picked him up and, and picked the cross up and carried it on for Jesus. And Jesus struggled, made the struggle up, Cal, uh, up Golgotha. In doing that, he abandoned himself with all hesitation, with all reservation to do the will of God in his life. He abandoned himself with any hesitation and, and res- Have you done that? Have you abandoned yourself of any hesitation and reservation to do the will of God in your life? Have you ever, have you ever done that? Without hesitation, without reservation. God, I'm yours. Body, soul, mind. I, I, I die to obey because you died for me. God, here I I am. I'm placing myself on the altar as a living sacrifice. And so surrender, sacrifice is an act of gratitude, an act of of, uh, sacrifice. Surrender is an act of gratitude, an act of sacrifice. Let me finish this real quick. It's an act of worship. One of the problems in the church today is that we have this narrow focus on worship. We think that worship is singing, and that's all. That's what we think. Verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, holy, set apart to God, acceptable to God, pleasing God, which is your reasonable, rational, logical service. Being a reasonable service, a rational, logical service. Things, the right thing to do which is your reasonable service, the word service, every aspect of ministry to Jesus Christ for his glory. Literally, set apart, acceptable, pleasing to God, which is your your logical, reasonable act of worship. Some translations have translated that to worship. Because it's logical and rational, to look at the cross and know what he did for me on the cross is it logical and rational to look at the cross and just consider that pocket change is that logical is that rational is it logical and rational to look at the cross and know what he did for me and and just give him my leftover emotions Is it logical and rational for me to look at the cross and know what he did for me and and just give him my spare time? I mean, my spare time neglecting to observe and, and the understanding that the Lord's day is his day and not my day? Rational, logical, to look at the cross and the death of Jesus? That is, when you, when you look at the cross and consider the death of Jesus, it's to be totally, absolutely surrendered, completely taken our hands off of our lives and given ourselves to him. That's what's, why? Because of the mercies that he's shown to us. That's what's rational. That's what's reasonable. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a reasonable, logical, sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. And so the great act of worship in the life of a believer is that at the moment in time, some moment in time, where she or he or she offers themselves up as a living sacrifice, totally surrendered themselves to Jesus. That is an act of worship. Total surrender is an act of gratitude and thanksgiving total surrender is an act of lasting sacrifice total surrender is an act of worship so the question today would you be willing to respond to the call of god on your life to give your life to him years ago when i was a little boy we had this broadman hymnal there's a song in there and i'll close with this A song in there that was called Whosoever Will. Whosoever Will. We're going to sing that song now. Whosoever Will need not delay. Now the door is open. Enter while you may. Jesus is the true and the only way. Whosoever Will may come. Whosoever Will, the promise is secure. Whosoever Will forever must endure. Whosoever will, tis life forevermore. Y'all remember that song? Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will, send the proclamation over veil and hill. Tis a loving father, calls a wanderer home. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will. That's you. That's me. So today, let me ask you a question. Have you come, have you surrendered to that call as the Holy Spirit convicts you of a need of a Savior, and that Savior Jesus Christ? Would you be willing to turn from your sin, turn to this person by the name of Jesus, ask him to forgive you, come into his life and save you, and surrender your life as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable, logical service, our worship. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had to come into your presence and think about a sacrifice. Thank you, Lord, for dying on that cross for our sins. Thank you, Lord, for the mercies of God. Thank you for your pardon. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you, Lord, for justification thank you lord for for saying not guilty lord when it comes to my sins my blood has covered his sins my goodness gracious thank you for the purity that you lead us in lord as you bring us through sanctification one day to justification we thank you lord we praise you and because of who you are because of what you've done because of the mercies Lord, today we just humbly, humbly give ourselves to you as a living sacrifice of worship. Be with those who are here today and decisions they're struggling with. May they be faithful and obedient as the Holy Spirit leads them today to come and to receive Christ, to come in rededication of life, to come with some other type of commitment desire. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name.